Good morning. I'm Dr. Peter Landless, and I'm very grateful to be with you. Welcome to Foundations of Health. We're going to be talking through some very interesting and very important components of what health is all about, the foundations of health, but primarily the foundation of health is Jesus. We hope you're going to enjoy and uh, benefit from your time together with us. Super. Okay. Okay, I think we need to start now. Okay. For those of you who uh, thought that this little walk that you had now was part of the daily exercise of Dr. Handysides, um, you can move around. Um, not so. We were out this morning, and I have to tell you this with a little bit of, of um, sacred pride. 5.30 this morning found us walking out in the dark, uh, getting our how many ever steps we got in this morning, and cutting it a little bit short because we needed to be back in time for worship and to get on with the day, which uh, you're all part of that day. We've heard about the foundation, the spiritual foundation of health. We started that this morning in the devotional, and we know that that foundation is Jesus. We're now going to look at spirituality and the healthy lifestyle. And I really would like us to, whenever I talk about lifestyle, and Dr. Handysides will speak for himself, but I think when he talks about lifestyle, we mean a way of life. You know, styles come and go. Remember the jackets where they had different lapels and they were more double-breasted jackets than they are today? And so styles come and go. But a way of life is what we really need to look towards. And so we look at spirituality and the healthy way of living. On completing this component, we would like you to understand that health can be influenced by spirituality. So the way that we relate to God actually affects the way we live and enjoy our health. We would like to see that a healthy way of life is a form of stewardship. Stewardship. How we take care of, how... You heard about the motorcycle from the Philippines that was broken. It wasn't great stewardship from the little boy, but he didn't know better. But we do. Stewardship, how we care for our health. And this is reflected in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I deeply empathize with the question about the Bible being written today as opposed to then. What would have been included? These are the arguments people give us all the time. But we work from the foundation of Scripture alone as it stands. We should grasp that spirituality can lead to a wholeness even when spiritual health, when, when physical health is lacking. It's interesting to me and maybe to you, and I, I remember as a family practitioner, my background is family medicine, internal medicine, and cardiology. Those are the specialties that I did. And I would always remember and notice that the individuals who were the sickest, who had the greatest problems, who were struggling the most, who were having the chemotherapy, having all the treatments, 
Those are the people I'd say, how are you? And they say, I'm fine, how are you? And I'd know they were not fine. And then I would have patients coming in with a bit of a ruddy dose and they were feeling coughing and a little bit of a headache. How are you? Oh, doctor, I'm dying. Spirituality can lead to a wholeness even when physical health is lacking. And some of those individuals who are broken, who are bro and we are all broken. You're going to hear the term wholeness in brokenness. We are all broken. However quickly we may jog along the road or walk along the road or, you know, when we get out of the chair, I watch you get out of the chairs and you start to feel, oh, I've been sitting here for quite a while. We are broken. But we can have wholeness in our brokenness. There's a great discussion about spirituality and health. And I want to say right up front and put the disclaimer right in front of you. And that is when we talk spirituality in this class, in this room, in this context, it's spirituality which is Christian. It is the spirituality that centers around Jesus. You know, I, don't, I will not forget that I was uh, sitting in my office one day and the phone rang. And I picked up the phone, and there was a gentleman on the other end, and he said, I'm the dean of the school of so-and-so university, and uh, we'd like you to come and speak to us during our summer school on public health about the Adventists' spirituality and their lifestyle. I was new in the States. So when he mentioned the name of the university, um, I didn't even know where it was. And uh, it happened to be Morehouse. And I'm sitting in Washington, D.C. He said, we'd like you to come down and we'd have a three-hour course and we'd like you to take it. And uh, we set up dates and times. I said, so tell me, how do I, could you give me directions? He said, you've got to go to the airport first. Yeah. Anyway, we worked out and went down to uh, Atlanta and uh, did the, the talk and uh, had a wonderful time. And uh, what I really enjoyed was just interacting with students who weren't fully understanding of the Seventh-day Adventist faith, but wanted to know about our view on spirituality and health. We had a great time. Straight after that, the, the dean, who was very kind and helpful, said, now let's go and get you something to eat. And uh, it had been a busy day. I'd been a busy day at the office. I'd flown down to Atlanta, did the three hours of lecturing, and it was now time to get to bed. But he was insistent, you've got to eat something. I said, you know, I carry reserves just in case of things like this. Anyway, we went to a place called Whole Foods. You know Whole Foods? And we walked around, and uh, he selected, and I had to help his selections because he got a little stuck on some of the areas, but... We selected some stuff. And as we were checking out, there was a magazine called Spirituality and Health. A glossy, beautifully done, attractive. But it was a total new age philosophy. Jesus didn't feature once. But here were people, and the place was packed. There was organic coffee, organic bread,
organic everything. Well, you know, everything that contains carbon, really, if it's edible, is organic. But anyway, they, they were, they, you know, it is. Technically, it is. Anyway, it was a lesson to me as I stood there at the checkout and looked at what kinds of spirituality there are and the kind that really matters. Religion acting either directly through belief, practice and commitment, or indirectly through effects on social support, mental health, can inhibit or promote the, the causes of illness that move among psychosocial stress, emotional illness, negative health behaviors, and inadequate medical care. So religion, plays a role in how we feel, how we conduct ourselves, in our health. Now, it's very interesting that the definition, this definition was given by a man called Harold Koenig. Some of you may have met him. He's a professor at Duke University, and uh, he's made this his lifelong study, spirituality and health. And he has a long and interesting journey. He started out as a nurse, then went on and studied medicine, then became a psychiatrist, and now his full-time research life is spent on looking at how people's spirituality affects their lives, their health, their social relationships, their well-being. And he talked about it that religion, acting directly through belief, practice and commitment, and here he talks about social support and mental health, it's affected. All of these components are affected by what we believe. But notice he says here, religion. Now Jesus made a very interesting statement to people one day. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, what will happen to you? You won't enter the kingdom. You won't get in. Were the scribes and Pharisees religious? Sure they were. Did they keep the Sabbath? Were they health reformers? Did they pay tithe? Right down to the, the little herbs, the herbs, I can't say herb, to the herbs. They would tithe right down to that. Were they religious? Were they spiritual? I wonder. I wonder. And you know, I ask myself the question, am I religious or am I spiritual? Maybe as you look at me, you may say, well, he looks right. I mean, as right as he can look. You know, I think of Tony Campola, who also doesn't have much hair, and, uh, you know, he comes into a room and he says, do you think someone would choose to look like this? He may look right. Put the right things on the plate. May be seen in line. Wow. May be seen outside exercising early in the morning, jogging along. We, we saw a very trim, smart, not a very young man yesterday morning, but a very energetic fellow in a white tracksuit. We know him well. He's an example of, of energetic service and, and uh, life. And there he was out, and he's got, to be, he's got to be 10 years older than I am, at least. And he was bouncing around like a ball. 
but that doesn't make him spiritual. As much as it didn't make me spiritual out there walking at my hopefully fairly fast pace. Spirituality, religion, and health are being discussed widely. You hear about it all the time. People come and talk about it. You know, I remember growing up in this church that I love so much. And I first started to hear the term spiritual. And you know where I heard the term spiritual? Was the women who had young daughters about the age that I was. And they would say, isn't he such a spiritual young man? And I wondered, what did that mean? Is he good-looking? Is he clever? Is he... And, you know, it was kind of, he fits the mold. He looks the part. Maybe it would be a good catch, hopefully of clean fish, not unclean. Spirituality, what does it really mean? It's discussed so widely in the literature, in the popular press, newspapers. You pick up the magazines, and they're all talking about spirituality and health. Meditation, transformation, transform your thinking. Buddhism, Zen Buddhism is making huge inroads, not only into society, but it's, it's wheedling its way into the church. The New Age philosophy, it's right there. Listen to people talk. Especially when they say to us, I hear people saying, and they stand even in the lines at the general conference uh, cafeteria, and they say, look at this wonderful raw food. We're going to take all this food in and get its energy into us. And all those enzymes, when they get into our bloodstream, and we have to really contain ourselves and say to the guys, do you know that there's a gastric acid which breaks down the enzymes before it gets into the bloodstream? You know? Beware of that. The, the topics, the postmodernism, indigenous culture and health, the kinds of therapies which people, or the so-called therapies which people use, what are their origins? Where do they come from? And I'm very sensitive about this because my late father, who was a, a, a strong leader in the church and a very physically active individual, a very smart man, who got involved with karate, became the most highly qualified Westerner in his style, and left the church. Got involved with the meditations, the issues. It was a lesson I will never forget. You see, the spirituality of humankind wants to fill the God-shaped space with something. Jesus said, I am come that you can have life and that you can have it more abundantly. I love the New International Version in some respects, a little more than that. It says, I am come that you can have life and have it to the full. To the full. Completely. Spirituality impacts our health, uh, our health outcomes, our behaviors, and our way of life. We know that. We see it. And there are studies that show us. It was referred to in this morning's sermon. The disciples and Jesus are walking along, John chapter 9. And they see a man who is blind from birth. And the disciples sort of strut a little bit. They're going to gain a few brownie points with Jesus. Who sinned? 
that the man should be like this? Did he sin or did his parents? Jesus answered, but this happened so that the work of God may be displayed in his life. It wasn't as a result of his sin. It wasn't a punishment of his sin, but the result of the fallen state we live in. And then Paul comes along and he says, look, whatever you do, whether you eat, whether you drink, and you know, we as Adventists sometimes just stop on the eat and the drink. We measure what people are eating. We almost make it, we, in fact, we do sometimes, and we shouldn't, we make what you eat a spiritual, moral issue. And the, the more you eat in a certain style, the closer you may be. I mean, that's, just never even think that way. So whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do. You know, this to me was Jesus' greatest disclaimer through Paul. Whether you eat, whether you drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Not just what's on your plate, not just what's in your glass, not just what's in your shopping basket. Have you ever checked out of a supermarket and there's been a saint behind you having a little peep in there from the pantry parade, the pantry patrol, wanting to look and have a... Sp I pastored a church while I was in the, in the university medical teaching system. And uh, I never forget, we had a lovely lady who had a daughter the same age as our younger daughter. They were great friends. And uh, she one day came up to me and she said, if that deacon of ours comes up to me in the supermarket once more and looks inside my food basket, I'll hit him. And she was a gentle lady. But there he was coming along, Carol, what have you got in here today? Intrusive, judgmental. Of course, Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, Eat tofu. Did he say that? If you love me, walk 10,000 steps a day. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Because you love me. Because there's a relationship. Because there's a relationship. Did you pick that up in this morning's devotion? There's a code of behavior. That's right. I told him about the devotional. Okay, thank you. Thank you for participating. I, I want to tell you how grateful we are that you're here. Grateful that everybody's here. But we understand what a challenge it is when there's a language difference. And we want you to feel so welcome and to ask questions. And if we go too fast, you tell us, slow down. Okay? Did Eli ever translate these foundations? Foundations is translated into Spanish. No, that's celebrations, but foundations? No. No, this material is not, but the celebrations is. So the celebrations is in Spanish. We'll make sure you get that.
But Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is a relationship issue. Now, it's easy to emphasize the behavioral issues of life. As I said, what you do, what you eat, what you dress, how you look. Unless your righteousness is more than the Pharisees, you won't enter the kingdom. And Paul then also emphasizes that the body is the what? The temple. And you know, we so often refer to the body as the temple because we talk about foods. It's in everything. Because if you look at the preceding text related to this, he's talking about sexual purity. So it's a temple in all our behaviors, not just in what we eat and what we drink. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. Have you ever driven somebody else's motor car? Have you? Yes. Did you enjoy it? Not really. Why not? It's not mine. Oh, I, <laughs> you, have you have to be more careful. And I've got some very precious friends. When I came to the States first, before my wife came along, my daughter came and started to study, and my good friend said, let your daughter drive this car. I nearly had a cadenza. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? And then I said to her, Dad's driving. She said, you heard what Uncle Alan said. When you've been entrusted with something, you take care of it because it is not your own. Through knowing him, and the only way that we can get into this way of behavior, this way of life, is by knowing him. You know, this is the other thing that is so crucial as we build the foundations of the rest of the things we're going to talk about. We need to understand that the way of life and you'll see here it's written, the way of life, will be possible when based on a living relationship with Jesus who paid the price. And we've got to learn to accept that graciously. He's paid the price. He set me free. But because I love him and I have a knowledge of him, I will love him even more. When you met the person or when you meet a person or someone that you begin to learn to love, what is it that helps you to learn to love them? As you get to know them. You know, sometimes you can meet somebody and they can irritate the shoes off you to start with. But as you begin to know them, you pick up the nuances, you pick up the character, you, kick up, you pick up the personality. And as you begin to know them, so you begin to love them. And by knowing them, you can also learn to trust them. And there's a wonderful thing here. Through knowing him, we love him. And as we love him, we will serve him. So suddenly, all of these behaviors are not there just because I have to do it. You know, I, I have two lovely girls and I... I I'm passionate about them. But I learned so much in life from them, and I still do. All the day, all the day and all the night sometimes, too. 
But the one thing I learned, and I used to when they, when, when they were smaller and I would come home and I would see there'd been a little disagreement between mother and daughters, I'd say, now tell your mother you're sorry. I'm sorry. Were they sorry? Not in the least. Not in the least. They were trying to deflect the imminent punishment. It's much better that people obey because of love than out of fear. <coughs> to know him is to love him. To love him is to serve him. And that's how it works. All aspects of our behavior then come under his control. Not only what I eat, but what I drink, what I look at, what I read, what I think about. And in the, in the small hours of the night, when the, when the lights are off and nobody's there, and the glow of the computer's on, what are we looking at? What are we researching? You know, I've got... This is not a confession time, but we all have our problems. Fortunately, I don't have time to sit on the computer the way I've got friends who keep sending me little bits of YouTube and little bits of their tube and his tube and some other thing and look at Ted, look at this video. And I, I picked up one from a, a colleague in, in Europe just yesterday, said, have a quick look at this. And I went, went on to Ted and it says 20 minutes. A quick look, 20 minutes. It was interesting. I skimmed through it, and while I was listening to it, I was doing emails, like some of my friends do. <laughs> I was doing it. I'm joking. <laughs> He's trying to get the Spanish stuff here, and I'm just teasing him. But 20 minutes. But there are people who are compelled to the computer because they have an addiction what they watch, what they listen to. To know him is to love him, to love him is to serve him. And so, should we have a concern for the physical? I mean, after all is said and done, we've got a short term on this planet, and then it's eternity after a sleep. But John says, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Now, I often think about this text because I hear Elder Wilson preached about it the other day. It was mentioned this morning in the devotional. I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. I think John took a little bit of a chance here, don't you? Sometimes I can be grateful that my health is better than not grateful but that it's not always the relationship because if sometimes I'm not thinking as I should and not acting as I should, I'm grateful that my health is not exactly the same as what my mind is doing. But what he's saying here, he's saying, saints, you've accepted Jesus. You've been saved by him. I pray that your body is as well as your soul is. Jesus really cared about people. He cared about us. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to be holy. What did he do? He, the disciples come in after a night of fishing. They were tired. 
They were discouraged. They'd come to a point where they thought, this is the end of the road. And they see a man who says to them, cast your nets on the other side. And they, they could have said to themselves, what does this man know? He's an imposter. What, what, what does he know? Not only did they catch enough fish that broke the nets, but Jesus had food prepared for them. He prepared them breakfast. And he said, bring some, bring some of yours too. Let's get together. When he raised the little girl from the dead, what was the first thing he said to him? He first said, Talitha kum, rise. And then he said to the people, give us something to eat. When the people were hungry, he was moved with compassion. And so he fed them. And the disciples were moved. Have you watched the people working at this conference? My heart bleeds for them. I'm so glad I'm not the conference organizer. They're running around among so many rooms, doing audiovisual, you know, I nearly said x-raying, taking pictures and, and recording things and making sure that this works and that works and the next thing works. And they must be exhausted. And the disciples were like that. They were conference organizers. And Jesus said, these people are hungry. They said, Lord, are you, are you, are you all right? Where are we going to get the food from? There are no whole food markets here. He said, let's give them something to eat. He cared for the physical. He came to this world. This is the opening, verse, uh, opening chapter of the ministry of healing. He came to this world, our Lord Jesus Christ, as the unwearied servant of man's necessity. And that's what we as health ministries people do. We've come as the unwearied servants of man's necessity. He took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses that he might minister to every need of humanity. The burden of wretchedness and sin he came to remove. It was his mission to bring to men and women complete restoration. He came to give them health and peace and perfection of character. I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. Jesus' example. You know, I had a wonderful interaction just a week ago with a, a young woman who I had the privilege of baptizing and marrying her to her husband and then dedicating their babies and and uh, she, she said to me, she said, you know, I, I think I've, out, and this is now 18 years later, she says, you know, I think I've outgrown religion. And I said, that's interesting. What are you talking about? You know, the way the church does things. And so I sat down with her and I said, you know, the church is not a collection of perfect people. But I want to remind you when we studied together and we talked about Sabbath and the state of the dead and baptism, the second coming, how did we do it? Did we take the 28 fundamental beliefs? Then it was only 27. It's now become 28. What I did with her, I remember it clearly as if it was yesterday. We went to the Bible. What did Jesus say about the Sabbath? 
as was his custom, he went in to worship on the Sabbath. When it came to death, he said, this is a sleep. Was Jesus baptized? Yes, he was. What did he say about the second coming? I will come again. What did he do with health? He healed. He demonstrated it because he blended healing, teaching, praying, and preaching. He brought together spirituality and health in a most wonderful, wonderful way. His healings addressed the body, the mind, and the spirit. He said to one of them, he said, your sins are forgiven you. And then to another he said, go and sin no more. He gave relief from guilt. He affirmed the faith. He advised changes in life values. He admonished those who healed, he healed to turn away from their sin. It's only recently, and when I say recently in the last 40, 50 years, that, that the World Health Organization recognized that complete health is not only the absence of physical disease, but it's the complete well-being of physical, spiritual, emotional well-being. They unfortunately have not put in the word spiritual. There's a strong push that they should, but there's difficulty because whose spiritual are you going to say it is? Is it a Jewish spiritual? Is it a Christian spiritual? Is it a Muslim spiritual? Is it a Hindu spiritual? Is it a Zen spiritual? Whatever. But Jesus came along and he said, Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your strength. Reinforcing what the Old Testament said, Love the Lord, fear him, so that you may enjoy long spirituality, health, and well-being are intertwined. And they are working together with the relationships. We see that if we're going to have a healthy life, we need to have good relationships with our neighbors, with your difficult neighbor. Have you got a difficult neighbor? I've got a difficult neighbor. Uh, he's saying I'm his difficult neighbor. But we need to look at our relationships, love our neighbors as ourselves, the importance of social support. You'll hear Kathleen Kunteroff say, we all need friends. Even when you die, you need friends. Otherwise, who's going to bury you? <laughs> what? Vitamin F. Friends. Absolutely right. What, what happens to people who... Yeah? No, she, actually what happened after our little discussion, she realized that she had put herself in a judgmental position, which not even Jesus did. And at the end of our talk, she said, you know what? I needed to be brought to an accountability. And so often, in our own working with people on health issues, if they don't agree with us, they are not there. And if it's not our way, it's the highway. And sometimes we have put people so off the health message just by our attitudes. 
So there was a good outcome to that discussion. Praise the Lord. And in closing, I want to share with you that when people study, the scientists, the sociologists, when they study the effects of religion on health or spirituality and health, they cannot measure spirituality. They cannot. Because as we all sit here, we can all maintain we are very spiritual people. But looking into your eyes, I can't tell even what you're thinking right now. Watching your face, I get an idea what you're thinking about. So be careful. <laughs> um, so what do they do? They, me they measure religiosity. How do they measure the religiosity? What day do you go to church? How many days a month do you go to church? Do you give offerings? Do you read your Bible? Do you go to the temple or whatever it may be? So religiosity is often the measure which is used in scientific studies. Religion's easy to define. It's related to the practice of specific doctrines, dogma, and ritual. It's easier to study and quantitate when you look at outcomes related to health. But spirituality is difficult to define. But it's a joy to experience. Because it is dependent on a relationship with Jesus. And so as you read the rest of your chapter, you look at the questions at the back, our prayer is that you will be blessed with an understanding that our spirituality, our relationship with Jesus, is all bound together. Our health, our mental health, our spiritual health, our social health, is all bound up in a relationship with Him. He's given us principles in His Word. He's shown those principles. He lived those principles. And He said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And as our song says, choose life, tell the world. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.